Welcome to the Outsourced Accountant Podcast. Outsourced Accountant Podcast. This is your go-to podcast if you're the owner of an accounting or bookkeeping firm who is looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team. Here, you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity, and deliver more to your clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. Hi, I'm Ali Garrett. And I'm Lee Duffield. From All In Advisory, and you're listening to the Outsourced Accountant Podcast. Welcome to the Outsourced Accountant Podcast. My name is Trent McLaren, and today I have an amazing show for you. We have the wonderful Ali Garrett and Lee Duffield from Radelaide, Australia, from All In Advisory. How are you, ladies? Very well, thank you. How are you, Trent? I am good. I'm really well, thank you. And uh, Lee, how are you? Very well. Amazing. Did I pronounce Radelaide correct, Ali? Was that right? You sure did. Well done. Uh, Otherwise, I would have corrected you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. For everyone that's uh, new and listening, we've got an awesome uh, session today with these two wonderful ladies based in, I did say Radelaide, but I'll say Adelaide, South Australia, if you're not familiar. Um, In the the pregame session to this, uh, Ali was correcting herself and apologizing for calling it Adelaide instead of Radelaide, and I thought that was hilarious. Um, But if you've ever been, I love it it's a great place good wine good cheese good produce just a good sense of uh community i can't you answer this for me ladies i can't tell if adelaide's trying to be another city like maybe it's trying to be melbourne a little bit but maybe it's trying to be its own thing i don't know what do you think it's its own thing um i think we've got lots of beautiful scenery we've got the beaches we've got the hills we've got the wineries we've got beautiful food we've got great events I don't think we're trying to be anybody but ourselves I think what has happened I think in the last five years is it's really kind of birthed its own identity and tourism was just taking off and then COVID hit (laughs) yeah that's tough that is tough so on today's session we want to talk through your uh, journey with outsourcing and uh, in particular we're going to dive into your journey with the outsourced accountant toa global and the teams but um maybe you can both share a little bit about your business the story and the history i know you've got a uh, somewhat unique one compared to say firms that have been around for sort of 20 or 30 years and i'm looking forward to hearing more about that um so uh, uh ali or lee whoever if you want to kick us off tell us about all in advisory i might start us off trend um so We started, I guess, with a big bang in October 2018. Lee and I worked together at a prior firm for about five years and um, we were just, you know, uh, round pegs and square holes. We just didn't fit. We were so passionate about the cloud, so passionate about changing things up, doing things a bit differently. And so we co-founded All In Advisory. And, you know, you take the first letters of our names and you work out where the all came in. Um, And we also had a bit of a saying, all in or all out, there's no halfway, so hence the all in advisory. Um, So, you know, we were really passionate about all of these things and so decided just to take it on to challenge the status quo and get out there. So we uh, had the client base, we've got the skill set, we had this specialty that we've been developing for a long, long time and so we just thought we'd uh, take the plunge. And interestingly, we thought that uh, we might be a little bit behind the times, <laughs> but uh, no, no, still at the forefront. It's uh, moving a little <laughs> bit more slowly than what we thought, but we were super, super pleased that we're able to get out there. 
that is all it raises a really good point because I think a lot of firms they uh they think oh am I too, is it too late to jump in the cloud and do all these things I'm like it is never too late it is never too late and believe me I've seen some things in my time <laughs> in my travels that would just make you horrified um especially when I think about time in the UK and the size of the country and the size of the firms and just yeah i think the last that i'd heard this is a few years ago but it was like one in five businesses still running on paper uh ledgers paper-based ledgers yeah it was uh it was crazy it was absolutely crazy so lee how about from your side what would your journey been like coming into this new business with uh with ali um i guess we've come from similar backgrounds gone through the ali was probably a bit big four more big four whereas i was through the mid-tier you know, um, everything was very cloud, uh, paper-based. I remember at one of my old firms when I asked for two monitors, it was just insane and we were still handwriting our journals and stamping them. And and that was only sort of 10 years ago, which to me is insane. Um, but then, you know, it was just getting stuck doing things the old way when we were trying to get our clients to do it the new way um, and we didn't feel very authentic in selling that service. So it was we wanted to be true to ourselves and and practice what we preached and there came all-in advisory. So just on that, you mentioned client philosophies and what you're trying to do. Well, what, what would that look like if you were trying to speak to a, a brand-new prospect or someone today? What would you say to them as your philosophy on working with clients? Our mantra is we exist to empower business owners to achieve their why through innovation and technology, future-proofing and thriving with them. So it really is about those future-proofed technologies and really supporting them on that journey. And Lee touched on it before, we felt like frauds because we were providing all of these cloud-based services and efficiencies and re-engineering processes for all of our clients, but we couldn't do it internally. And it was a real bugbear for us. So, Got to be able to live it and breathe it internally and externally, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So thinking about the team structure, so um, do you mind if you run us through how many team members you've got onshore in your Radelaide office and how many team members you've got uh, offshore? Uh, Lee, if you want to run through. Uh, yeah, so on. It's, we were just commenting today, actually, because we've got a few working from home today. And normally in the past that would have meant um, no one was in the office, but we've still got feels like heaps here. We've grown so much in the last 12 months. Um, internally, at the moment, we've got Ali and myself plus three other full-time staff members and a part-time staff member. And then in the Philippines, we've got three full-time staff members. So we've got an accountant, um, a bookkeeper, and another one that sort of swings between accounting and bookkeeping to assist wherever they can. Um, so we're up to nine team members now after starting two and a bit years ago with three. Amazing. Wow. That's a that's a fair bit of growth and a lot of resource in a short period of time, right? Yes. Painful, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think part of the only way we could do it that quickly was through TOA. We weren't able to resource that quickly onshore so doing it through TOA was the quickest and easiest way to get us the resources we needed really quickly. And the great thing about when we started was we put an enormous amount of time into the tech and then the systems and processes so the way that we approach anything is we say can tech do it if it can we put it on then we try and automate it through systems and processes as much as we can 
And that's really, I guess, where the Toa team sit. And then anything above that, um, we get really our Australian team to kind of get involved with. So that's how we laid it. Um, but we put so much time in that systems and processes. It was easy for us to bring on the Philippines team because we were fully cloud-based, had a lot of the systems, although it did force us to do a lot more yeah. <laughs> like early. But we're so pleased that we did that because it brings scalability. Yeah, I've heard that before, actually. It forced a lot of firms to take a good hard look at their process and actually then go, oh, we probably should uh, structure this out, write it down maybe, uh, you know, anything along those lines. And I always get a lot of laughs and giggles when we talk about um, pre-Toa team members. But, Lee, you, you touched on a really good point there that I'd love to dive into. You mentioned that it allowed you to resource quicker. Um, do you want to, like, what was the, the challenge or the barrier that you were facing, I guess, before you realised that going offshore was, was going to enable some of those things? Um, well, part of it was, so we did actually try um, here first with a, a grad and it was unfortunately a terrible decision for them and us um, because I just, with only three staff members and me being the main one that needed to teach, I just didn't have the time to put that, um, to do the teaching. I needed someone that already had a, an accounting skill set that could just sort of hit the ground running. Um, and TOA was the way to go financially. It, it wasn't like a huge investment in someone. I could document all the processes like really easily. Me explaining it was recorded via Zoom or Loom. Um, and that sort of then documented our processes. So the next time around we onboarded someone, it was all sitting there and it wasn't a huge time investment from me to upskill them. We used the TOA training, which was really amazing. They they got the training they needed through TOA um, and it just meant that we had someone within a month or two up and running rather than me having to spend, you know, 12 months getting someone here up to scratch um, and the in, like the actual investment in wages was, was so high that we just couldn't afford it at that time. Um, so it just made sort of sense to us and it was easier um, and it's worked. <laughs> Awesome. And, I love yeah. that. Yeah, and I think just to add to that, you know, when you bring a grad on, they had to kind of switch between roles. So we've got lots of different things going on. So we do have a bookkeeping side and we do have an accounting side and we do have a cloud and advisory side. So being able to bring two TOA team members on, one in accounting and one in bookkeeping, gave us a really clear direction. So we had a support person for each person in our team, which helped enormously. So they knew what their tasks were. And they just went off and running and we were lucky enough to get, I guess, one of those unicorns that you guys speak of where yeah. our bookkeeper knew every single cloud product that we used, Amazing. which is rare because a lot of people even here in Australia don't yeah. or haven't used a lot of those products. So we had to fight for her, but we, we got her. And I think that, you know, that was, we were really clear, I guess, on what we needed, yep. um, but we still invested a huge amount of time in that systems processes and communicating and betting them in. Yeah. So did you hire how many um, did you hire two people up front with Toa or did you put one on first and then the second one? Yeah, we put yeah. one on first, um, yep. who was actually more admin, um, just to see how it would work, and then we brought on um, the other two quite quickly after that. Awesome. And to come back to your point before, so you brought those two or three team members on before you brought any onshore team members on. Is that right? 
No, actually, we brought Rhett on, but we'd worked with him previously. So that was just a matter of time. We didn't know how successful we would be (laughs) when we moved out. And we pretty much brought him on straight away. Um, And then after that, it was very close after that. Yeah, awesome. So we did try, like I said, we did before going with Toa, we tried a grad and quickly worked that that wasn't for us. Um, I think because... Anyone that's ever been in a startup knows you've got to be very flexible. You've got to be able to move across positions. Nothing is just set. Like you don't have a set job. You've got to be a little bit of everything to everybody um, as you grow. And for a grad, that's just too hard to do and grasp. Um, And they can't be quite as nimble as we would have liked. So like Ali said, with TOA, that allowed us to get multiple people to fill that role where they could concentrate on their own areas instead of having to sort of work across everywhere and everything. Yep. I totally understand startup life for you. If I think through my uh, my time at uh, PI, which I've talked a little bit about in previous episodes and things, but yeah, like, you know, we what needed doing that day, cool, yeah, it doesn't, t- departments, teams, didn't matter, that's the job, let's get it done, cool, okay, great. Um, yeah, that's the, yeah, startup life can be difficult because you want to try and find the right person that has the, that isn't trying to just swim in a lane per se. It's like, you've got the whole pool. Mm. <laughs> you can, I, uh, you yeah. can I think as we've grown, it's been easier to hire because we've been really clear about what needed to be filled. Like yeah. for instance, one of our most recent hires was just somebody who does payroll. That's it. That's their job, their whole job and nothing but their job. And I love that because it gives them a focus because payroll is so important and there's a risk attached to it. Um, Whereas starting out small, we could have never had one role just for payroll. So I think as we've grown, it's helped us to kind of be a bit more modular, but um, certainly we still, a lot of us, well, Lee and I have to flex a lot, but (laughs) the others, we try and give them roles. Awesome. Love that. So thinking through uh, coming to Tower originally, I guess what was that? What was the thoughts you were going through? Like, have you had both of you worked with offshore teams prior to starting this business? Talk me through the feelings and the emotions you had, like contemplating working <laughs> I with think an offshore team. We had different team. ones. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, hear about no, that. <laughs> neither of us um, had experience, from my understanding. Um, I was actually a bit anti it in my prior life, to be honest. Um, And Lee actually had found Toa through Nick Sinclair um, and she'd been to a couple of his events. I'll let her talk about that in a moment. Um, But because we were growing so quickly and it was painful, we were literally looking at every option and we tried to be on, you know, the In Australia option and it just didn't work for us. So it was literally a bit of a punt. Um, my favourite saying is, if we, if, you know, if you're going to do something, if it's going to fail, just do it quickly and cheaply. Yeah. Um, and so this was kind of our let's just punt it and see, and it worked. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure whether that's what you want to come across or not, but it did. <laughs> Everyone's um, got a different process. Punting <laughs> it is... Uh, one I am familiar with. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> maybe Lee can talk about how we kind of ventured upon you guys and yeah, please. how that kind of worked with us. Um, yeah, I guess. So I was before All In Advisory, I was a serial um, event attendee. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I work. still would be <laughs> if they were on. Um, but I had heard Nick speak at multiple different events um, and his 
Just your philosophies on running business, running an accounting firm, how he treats his staff um, really aligned with me um, and I, yeah, I really admired his philosophies. So that, that's how I got to know what TOA was, just by listening to Nick speak at multiple events. I will admit that I was probably a bit uh, ethically <laughs> unsure about offshoring, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I'd gone with this theory of, you know, you're taking jobs away from Australians or mm-hmm. how are they being treated over there um, and that, are we taking advantage of them, that kind of stuff. So if we did some research, talked to some people, um, and I quickly worked out that they're being treated extremely well um, and paid well above anyone else that's sort of working in the Philippines. Mm. Sometimes I think their quality of life's better than mine when I think about it. Yeah, right. Well, when (laughs) When we visited their office, I looked at Ali and I was like, "Um, why do they have an ice cream machine and I don't? Yeah. Um, Why don't we have a nurse on site? I mean, I just want someone that can check my pulse and tell me that I am unwell, you know, not just guess it. Where's my sleep room? Like, (laughs) where can I go for a break? (laughs) Where's my free food Fridays? What the heck? Yeah. Um, So I guess that's how. And then, like I said, we were in a bit of a position where we needed to do something. And I said, fine, I'll give you 12 months. (laughs) Um. And like I said, and then I think the really the changing point for us really was going to the Philippines. Yeah. Um, okay. We yeah. were there when two of our staff started, and yeah. it really was the the changing point. Getting to know the girls personally, seeing where they live, seeing how they live, that was a big game changer for both of us yeah Yeah, totally. the way I explain it is that it not only opened our heart you know our eyes it opened our hearts to them and you got to see just the beautiful people that they were and that they were supporting their families in most instances and that you know it was really making a difference to them and their families and they're just like us and we live in this global environment you know why not and the other concern was obviously with clients how would they react how would they feel And we were really open with people around, especially in that bookkeeping side, um, because it's that day-to-day stuff, basically saying, you know, if you're not comfortable, let us know. And there was one client that said not initially, but now lets us do some of that back-end work. So I think just being open about it and not saying we don't um, and letting people make up their own minds and making their own choices, I think that that was really important as well. That's um that's awesome. I had a really good chat with Jenny Moore, who's based in North America, a couple of weeks ago, which we had on the the podcast as well. And she talked about this unconscious bias that she had, and and Lee, you kind of mentioned it before, right? There's that piece of like, what about jobs onshore and and all those sorts of things. How did that change? Because I know we've talked about a few different pieces, and it was good to get to know that the team members you got to go to the Philippines, and I'd a hundred percent recommend, hundred percent recommend anyone that gets a chance to go to go go and meet those uh your team members go and see the facilities it's a whole different place and it definitely helps um give people that insight but from that uh piece of the onshore jobs piece how did that change as you got through this process in terms of the way you think about it Uh, probably one of the changes was the fact that like i said we did try someone here first and it just failed miserably and i I just, and that wasn't them and it it was more us than them and I felt 
awful yeah. about the whole thing. And I, it was, well, what are we going to do next? I don't think we can actually hire someone here. I don't want to do that to somebody. Um, so it was a, that was the, the turning point where I was like, well, I'll give this a go. Like I said, I'd heard really good things and I was really impressed with Nick and the team. And I thought, well, if he's saying all that, they must be treated really well. Um, so we went to all the events, went to, we went to the, like the March TOA conference thing in Adelaide before we'd even signed up to get, get an idea of how it all worked. Um and I'd heard everyone say you can take on, like taking on a team in the Philippines allows you to actually grow and take on more staff here. And that has been the case since we've done that. We've now taken on three extra staff members here yeah. because it allowed us to get that growth um, and allowed us to get the back end under control to now get staff here that are doing much more interesting work than yep. than what they would be if we didn't have the TOA team. That's definitely been my experience. And I think that was, uh, it's kind of when I go, when someone says, you know, how do, how do you go with like taking jobs away from here and there? And same point, it's like, I'm actually going to help people get better work and do better jobs and actually do things that they're passionate about. And, you know, no one's interested in doing that level of work. And I think if anything, it helps create uh, more opportunities for your onshore team where they get a chance to actually manage and work with other team members that are doing, and now you're spending more time with the clients, focusing more on those outcomes. Um, we really do see it as a win-win in that sense, especially, uh, you know, especially in your stage and where you're at, like you said, hiring those three allowed you to hire the next three. Uh, yeah. That's that's awesome. Like, that's yeah. really, really cool. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that it, things went really well. Like, you tried to hire onshore. That didn't work quite well. You've hired offshore and within a quick period of time realized, yeah, this can work and it work, can work really well. What were the things that you did or what did you notice that you defined as this is working well? How did you know it was working well? Well, I knew it was working well because we were getting fees out the door. We were getting work out the door. The turnaround was moving, um, whereas previously there'd been some bottlenecks. We just didn't have the capacity or the skill set to do yeah. it. Um, so certainly I think, and as I said before, one of our girls, Joe, was a unicorn, you know, in the bookkeeping. She saved us. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Um, so she literally just came on board with the right skill set. So we were very lucky, obviously, there. Um, but, you know, our other lady in compliance came from an audit background, so we had to teach her compliance. But I don't know, I think, you know, one of the things we did was that each Philippines team member had an Australian team member that was kind of like their buddy. And yeah. on teams, they would literally be bouncing ideas off of each other all the time and we have our all-in huddles once a week. So we just made sure that we enveloped them into our team um, and that they were a critical and appreciated component of us. Um, And so treating them like that and not like they're a distant second or a distant third helped us to really, I guess, increase productivity really, really quickly and kind of do, you know, the churn and and just get things moving so that, you know, we can obviously get the fees out the door and get paid. So um, it was a really, it was a linchpin for us in relation to just boosting that productivity really quickly. But the training component of, you know, when they come on board and get on boarded and you don't have to worry about the HR side, that's a huge relief 
because usually that's Lee stuff. <laughs> it takes her a long time. And, and so just even having part of that process that you didn't need to manage and somebody else was and you knew that they were being looked after and having the training behind them, yeah. it's massive. It's, it's a huge win. Awesome. So within that, I guess, so what are, what are kind of the three, what are the three big things that you focus on with your offshore team to make sure that they are successful and accountable to their work? Lee, do you want me to go here or are you happy to? Here you go. Um, the first one is really around um, communicate, communicate, communicate. Let me know where you are at every portion, um, at every stage, at every moment. We do our all-in huddles as well. Um, we do those once a week, but we're pretty much on teams with them all the time. So just making sure that, you know, they're prioritising their work, they know what they need to be doing um, because we also know that they have slightly different personality types than us and they like to please. So, um, and they're always going to say, yes, I can do that. Making sure that they actually have the support the skills, the training, the necessary information in order to do that and not having too higher expectations of them. They do work a little bit slower because they do like to look over their work a lot to make sure that that's right. So um, just making sure that, you, you know, you're setting the expectations right and giving them the right work and just making sure that they've got the right systems and processes and support in place. Um, I think that that's a really critical component. Don't just bring them on and leave them there by themselves. Um, you've got to support them through that journey. And yep. I work with them, like we do 12-week plans here um, for my team. So I do that with my team in the Philippines as well. And it's really just about tracking, you know, um, mini goals and major goals. And so we don't really work on the productivity, you're 80% productive. We work on more turnaround. So what jobs are you getting out the door? What are your goals for the, these next 12 weeks? All of those different types of things. Awesome. Love that. Lee, any additional points to add to that? Um, I think the only thing I try to concentrate on, because I probably communicate with all of them the most, um, is a lot of positive feedback. Um, and and when I am giving feedback that's slightly negative, I'm really careful around how I word it because it's easy to offend them um, and upset them. And like I'm not, I'm not like I don't care that they've made a mistake. I'm just pointing it out. But as accountants, we get really used to giving negative feedback a lot and can be quite blunt with it. So. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm really careful around how I word things, how I let them know when I'm really happy with them, so that they know that I I know they know that I appreciate what they're doing. Um, I think that's really important, not just to take advantage of them. And I want to pick up on that point because Lee's had a bit of a bugbear with this for a long, long time. Because as a manager, you tend to do a lot of review work, which is ninety percent negative, and Lee wants to switch that to turn into a positive because so often they get 90% right, maybe it's the 10% and we focus on the 10%. So that's what I love about Lee's management style. It's all about where's the positive in this? How can I teach them? How can I train them? How can I hold their hand and support them? And that's been a really good thing with the Philippines team and you see a lot of people grow under that. Um, oh, that's amazing. I it's not even just your Philippines team. I think every team, whether you've got onshore or offshore, needs someone in their, in their business that can do that. Um, and not to say that I've been on the end of a lot of negative feedback from accountants before, but I do understand what you mean. In Internally, that when you review a job, 
Yeah. I can tell you that every grad, intermediate, senior, and manager has had that feedback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one. Um, yeah. Awesome. Love that. That's that's great. Well, Lee, you're doing amazing work there. So thank you for for your sharing that piece of advice with us. I hope our listeners are hearing that. You need to have that one Lee in your team who is that person. Um, hopefully, you can. Yeah, if you haven't got one, get one, except not this one. You can't have this one. You've got to no, well, up. this is where with the two of us, one of us is good cop and one of us is bad cop every time. So it's good. <laughs> I love good cop, bad cop. I've played that game a lot. We just, yeah, we just have to work out which one we are at the time. Yeah, it's good to communicate about that. I used to do that with calls in other teams beforehand. I'd be like, so am I good cop, bad cop? Which one am I? Who do I, who do I get to be? And uh, yeah, it was always, always, we're both good cop, really. But yeah. Um, <laughs> It was just a fun game we'd get to play. So think about the way you structured these teams because you've got an accountant, you've got a bookkeeper, and you've got a unicorn. Is that right? Or no, you've got your admin and one of them is uh, your unicorn we, is your... <laughs> our unicorn is our bookkeeper. Correct, um, yeah. And then yeah. so we have an accountant, a bookkeeper, and one that switches between the two. Yeah. Kind of like a grad really yeah. in your world, yeah. Awesome. How have you mapped that people strategy out? So do you think about and go, cool, we've got sort of one of each and one in between and then you've got your onshore team as well. Do you guys sit down and review that? I know you mentioned you've got 12-week plans. Do you review that people strategy every half year, 12 months, quarter? Do you do that? I think it's on an on an on needs basis because what happens is we have a plan. Yep. And then we grow quicker than we were thinking. <laughs> and we're like, oh, we need to revisit the plan. And um, I think how it's worked at the moment is that we tend to have an Australian team member with a support team member. So um, we grow the Australian team, then we grow the support team or depending upon need, vice versa. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's how we're going to travel. But in saying that, we are actually a bit landlocked now in our office um, with how many team members we can have. So I suspect there'll most probably be growth at the Philippines end. Um, yep. But we've also just brought on quite a few Australian team members as well. So I suspect it's going to ebb and flow over a period of time. But we do go more on needs. Um, yep. And we, Lee and I communicate quite regularly. Um, so it's not like we don't see each other for six months and go, oh, I think we've got to sit down and work through our people strategy. <laughs> it's more organic yeah. than that. I think a lot of the time it's, you know, because things can change really quickly or you win one client and you're like, cool, that's one or two team members worth of work right there sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like things do change based on what's coming in or what's going out as well. Um, The reason I like asking the question is just trying to help, uh, you know, the audience and listeners think about like, are we talking about this regularly? Are we sitting down to think about who is in the business and what skills are in the business? Um, and what are, what are the gaps? Like, you know, what else are we bringing in? And again, whether that's onshore or offshore, that's part of the part of the piece. Just knowing what's there is it will make all the difference um, if you're having the conversation. Uh, you mentioned before that clients have been sort of open to it. So I guess overall you're saying that this has been a good exercise client-wise, like they've benefited from that and they've seen this has been a positive thing? I have to say that, well, from the ones that there were one or two that did care, but on the majority, most don't. I think they're happy just as long as they've still got Lee and I on the coal face, um, making sure that things are reviewed and out the door. I don't think they care who's doing the work, um, more so that they're still getting the customer service and the client, um, you know, ex- their needs are being met and the work's accurate is 
fulfilling their value proposition. So I think it's more on the customer end and the customer relationship, just making sure that we're still there. Um, I think it would be different if we were doing it differently, um, but we've tried to make things as consistent as possible from a client relationship manager point of view. Awesome. In terms of the client relationship, you can do more damage with a team here than than in the Philippines anyway. It's all about the quality of work that you're providing. If the work's wrong, it's wrong. Whether someone in the Philippines did it or it was done here, it really doesn't matter as long as what you're providing to the clients is still of a high quality, which it is. Um, it really makes no difference. They don't. They don't care. Awesome. I love that. That is important. Client, um, what the client values is is what matters most. So what they what we're giving to them, what the output looks like is is definitely got to be the the key um, indicator at the end of it. So I guess the the million dollar question a lot of people like to talk through at the end of these as we come to the end of these sessions is has this you know been effective. Um, has there been an effect of profit in the business? Has this been a good exercise margins-wise? Um, yeah, where do you want to start? 100%. Um, if we had all Australian team members, um, we would not be making a profit at this point in time, especially in that bookkeeping transactional side. It's really margin small. And so it's really important that you've got the right resources and the right systems and processes. In compliance, you can kind of beef it up a bit. Um, there's a lot more margin in it. But oh, 100%, you make more return on a Philippines team member than you do an Australian one. And that's why I think we go with the mixed blend. Yeah. Um, I think it's important for us and what we uphold as our values and what we represent to our clients to have a, a bit of both. But as I said before, we, we lay our foundation is tech. We then build on it with systems and processes and our Philippines team and then we add you know, that little bit extra with our Australian team and the advisory pieces. So, Lee, do you want to add anything? I, I think you mentioned it before, Trent, where it depends what work we're winning as to what we need. And so, like Ali said, with transactional, we'll win quite a big one, which means we need the resources immediately, but the margin on it's not big enough. So, that's where the, you know, where we look at taking on a tow a team member who can really fill in the back and and we don't exceed um, our expenses and, and we actually make money on it. So that's, again, back to how do we decide what we hire? <laughs> it depends on what work we're winning as well. Um, do we need that really quick, just someone on the ground pumping it out or can it be someone that we can spend more money on and make profit still? And just touching on Lee's point there, it allows us to over-resource, um, which is important for us as a team because we we both have children and, and I work part-time. Um, it's important that we have support behind us. And so the Philippines team actually allows us to over-resource so that we do have some spare capacity, mm. um, although it gets filled pretty quickly. But it's it has allowed us, I think, a lifestyle um, I was, that I maybe like we I've... wouldn't have had before. I feel like I've missed a missed a trick in this whole session by not asking you what um, what your work hours look like at the moment. So just to to reiterate on that. So just for both of you, how many hours a week are you both working in the business? I work Monday to Thursday. Um, 
and it, it, it ebbs and flows. So yeah. I do school drop-offs and school pickups and attend kids' events. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I guess, the lion's share at home as well, and I know that Lee has her own story there. But um, that's me. But obviously with cloud-based tech, I'm still kind of touching base with the team, yeah. but I'm not physically on the tools. Yeah, that makes sense. Lee? Um, I'm around sort of every day, but... Again, mine ebbs and flows. So, you know, today I leave at two because I have to do a trip to choir. And um, Thursdays is, you know, singing lessons. So I'm around every day, but again, not always in the office. And it's definitely not nine till five. Um, So, but again, with tech, I might be not there, but most of it's funny because most of my time is actually spent communicating with the team in the Philippines via Teams. Yep. So as long as I've got my phone with me, it doesn't even matter if I'm in the office or not. I can communicate with them. I can answer their mm-hmm. questions on the go so that I'm not holding them up. Amazing. I love that. So basically what you're telling me is that this offshore team is really allowing and helping you to, to have the, you mentioned before, Ali, like the lifestyle and the work and getting that team in place is helping put the capacity through that. Is that is that right? 100%. Amazing. And one of the benefits I had never thought of but has been actually really good is they don't have the same public holidays as us. <laughs> so True, they don't. When I don't have to work on the public holidays and do the payroll anymore because the person in the Philippines can, you know, do some work on a public holiday. If a client desperately needs something, we can send it to someone that's, that's working anyway. So mm-hmm. it's created that flexibility and it meant that, you know, over Christmas and that we've got more options rather than just someone having to work all the time um, when they should be enjoying their public holiday. Amazing. That is a very, very, very good point. And one that I've definitely noticed is my uh, Tom, my EA, uh, <laughs> is in the Philippines. So he, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I've been a few public holiday and he's had a few as well, but I, yeah. I noticed it more when he has a day off. I'm like, oh, man, like. <laughs> Bro, how do I? How was I doing this without him? I know, right? You, you're like, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So I think just as we we come to close out the session, if you could both just offer one piece of advice for someone who's brand new, or uh, you know, new new to offshoring or thinking about it or not done it before, what would be that one piece of advice that you would give them? I would challenge them. Um, so often the feedback I get is I tried it and it didn't work. Um, if you are going to give it a go, you have to give it a red hot crack, but you have to be accountable to that. So you have to make sure that you're hiring the right person with the right skill set, that you're willing to train them, that you've got the systems and processes in place, that you're willing to treat them as a team member and communicate with them and support them and grow them. If you do all of those things and it still doesn't work, okay. But if you don't do those things and you say it doesn't work, it's actually your fault, not theirs. So I would definitely just challenge people to think really long and hard about if I'm going into this, am I actually committed to making this a success? Love that. Amazing. And I've had that chat a few times with a few people, both in the business uh, and with other firms saying, uh, you know, tell me about how you've set them up. Like, how, what sort of training did you do? And did you talk to me about this? Did you communicate about that? Like, no, I didn't. I just assumed like, okay, okay. Well, no, yeah. I'm like, this is... I think this is a user error, <laughs> uh, which I love using that analogy. It's always good fun. 
Uh, Lee, what's your uh, big piece of advice you can give our listeners today? Um, I think mine is be realistic with your expectations. It's not going to be this magical fix. Um, as Ali said, you've got to put the time in. But you also can't expect a Philippines team member to be exactly the same as an Australian one. And you've got to be realistic about what they can achieve and how quickly they can achieve it. And remember that, you know, you are paying a lot less. Therefore, the the amount of work coming out is not going to be the same. And I think the other bit that is important and sort of continues on from what Ali said is really getting to know your team members. Mm. Don't just treat them as a separate part, sort of include them in your business and make them feel welcome and make them get to know them on a personal level so that you can get the most out of them. 100%. I love it. Well done. Bring them in, make them part of the team, bring them to the culture. That is awesome. Thank you both. That has been an amazing episode. Now, listeners, I hope you've had an enjoyable session with us today. There's a lot of really good nuggets in there. Uh, I definitely need to play this back myself and just unpick it all. Um, But you've been wonderful. Thank you, Ali. Thank you, Lee. Uh, For our listeners, if they wanted to get in contact with you or they, I know know you're both avid tweeters, um, how, uh, how could they both get in touch if they were, how could they get in touch with you if they were looking to? Uh, we have a website, uh, www.allinadvisory.com.au. Um, via email, you'll find our email addresses on there. We are on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at All In Advisory. Uh, follow us. We are active on the socials. And, yes, Lee does like a good tweet every now and again. <laughs> um, I... So, yeah, we, we, you'll see us on the Twitterverse. <laughs> I love that. I see you girls on the Twitter verse all the time. So, um, which means I'm also there all the time. So, so <laughs> I don't know what that says about me either. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much. That has been awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of The Outsourced Accountant. We've been chatting with Ali and Lee from All In Advisory. Thanks for joining, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. You're listening to The Outsourced Accountant Podcast. To follow our podcast, visit The Outsource Accountant or head to The Outsource Accountant Podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. To connect with us on Twitter, look for our handle at Toa Global or find us on LinkedIn at Toa Global. Like our Facebook page at The Outsource Accountant. Catch you on the next episode of The Outsource Accountant Podcast. Thanks and have a great day.